come on. I've got something to share with you today. How does that, does that work for everybody? Is that okay? All right, good. Let's go to, I'm going to pull it up now. But it's going to be off my phone, so forgive me from squinting because I'm supposed to wear glasses and I don't. And uh, that's going to be <laughs> hard for me to pull off. <laughs> Pardon? Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I don't like doing that. Okay, so I was going to preach this in a couple weeks, but I'll preach it now. Amen? Maybe that's what God wants. Listen, I think it has to do with a lot of things that are going on today. I know a lot of people, as I mentioned already today, are a little let down. We talked about even a couple weeks ago and last week about uh, focusing, focusing on this, what we call Advent season, this Christmas season, and treating it uh, with the, not the respect it deserves, but with the importance it deserves more than just what we've made it become. And it's so, this is true, and I, you know, this happened last night, so this is a fresh analogy for you. But I was thinking about, uh, I was watching, do you guys know who the Minions are? Okay, the Minions, you have to, if, you're, if you have kids, you know who the Minions are. Uh, they're a little cartoon characters, and they're like, uh, they're the Minions, the workers for like this evil genius, but he's not a bad evil genius. And uh, these little yellow guys, they're very funny, and they do all sorts of hijinks and get into trouble and sing songs, and they speak a ridiculous language. But uh, yesterday, uh, we watched their holiday special. And at the beginning of their holiday special, they're all standing in a choir, singing uh, in whatever ridiculous language they have, Silent Night. You, c- and you can only tell it's Silent Night by the tune, not because of what they're saying, because they say ridiculous words. But they're all swaying back and forth, and they're going like, doobie-doo-doo, that's how they sing. And doobie-doo-da, that's what they say, Okay. And then it's very serene and silent. But then what you hear from the back, one of them, one of them goes, ah, like that. And, and he breaks through the middle, and he starts, and he has an ugly Christmas sweater, you know, with lights and shining bells and, and whatever and a star. And he starts singing, um, I can't remember what, one of the, like, oh, it's Jingle Bells. He starts singing Jingle Bells, right? And then they all, at first, they're, they're not too happy, but soon they're all joining in, and they're all singing Jingle Bells and whatever. And I thought, now, it was kind of funny, but what a telling example of what I'm trying to get at. You see, the story of Christmas is a holy story, a serene story, a serious story. And then so very often the way we celebrate Christmas breaks through that and just makes it, you know, jingle bells, deck the halls, you know, buy some presents, send some food, right? Like it becomes all that, you know? I was listening to people this week. For those of you who don't know, if you're not from Quebec, uh, Quebec has announced that they don't want anybody meeting with anybody uh, during the holidays, okay, during they were going to do it and they're not going to do it. So other countries are like that too. I know the UK and parts of Europe and, and so on are like that too. But And so a lot of people online were like, well, what am I going to do now with all the copious amounts of food I bought? You know, all the candy I bought, all the chocolate I bought, and whatever. So rather than, uh, you know, doing something good, like maybe, I don't know, give it away, <laughs> you know, whatever. Everybody's whining and complaining that I don't get to do the w- things the way I wanted to do. I don't get to gorge myself and stuff myself like I wanted to at Christmas. And then last night in our church prayer meeting, I always encourage you to come to church prayer meetings. This is important. Uh, we are praying for my aunt. My aunt is 90 years old, 9-0, 90 years old, and my dad's older sister. And she, in the last month, has had fallen, had hip surgery, went into hospital, and then got COVID in hospital and got over COVID. But she's still in hospital recuperating because she had a broken hip, and she's 90. Okay? And so my parents FaceTime with her. And they said, you know, how are you feeling? You know, and she, oh, well, you know. Now, you have to understand, my aunt is Welsh. She's British. They stiff up her lip. You don't complain about your pain. You just 
go if you watch the crown she's you know they're all like the queen that's just how it is okay and um so sif upper lip and all that stuff and they said well you know my parents are saying it's so you know it's tough because she has children my nephew my cousins and and so their children it'll be tough about not seeing them this year because in britain the lockdown's even more strict than it is here and uh you know my aunt turned on the facetime i guess she didn't turn to them my aunt my aunt who's 90 okay she's 90 she lived through the second world war Okay, and you know what she said to my parents? It's just one Christmas. And uh, that's some, prof now if you want to take some profound wisdom from the elderly, <laughs> there's something from my Auntie Marion, thank you Auntie Marion, it's just one Christmas. Putting into perspective that she had just survived two incidences that easily could have taken her life. A broken hip, and then COVID. She could be dead before Christmas. And then faced with the, well, you don't get to see your family at Christmas, this woman, she's a believer, she loves the Lord, she deep, uh, you know, she just lost her husband recently in the last two years, and her response is, it's just one Christmas. And I think that's a lesson we can all learn. It's just one Christmas. But it's still Christmas. The message that Christmas gives to the world is still real and still relevant today. The Bible tells us Jesus Christ came into the world to do what? Save sinners. Not to entertain us, not to make us right, not even to make our lives wonderful. Is that a, it's a bit shocking, right, for the Western sort of whatever, because we've married this idea of, well, when we're blessed, that means we have health, we have wealth, we have whatever. This is not Christianity. I don't know what that is because for the most of history, Christians haven't lived in that sort of wealth and health uh, experience. And of course, even today in 2020, most Christians that are alive now don't live in that reality. But we in the West have become so coddled and so, if pardon the word, I'm overweight so I can say it, fat. Okay, spiritually fat with the idea that, well, I'm here to gorge myself on the chocolates of Christmas, spiritually speaking. And forgetting what the message of Christmas is, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save it. And the plan was made from time immemorial. God knew what would happen. God, you know, now, again, I... I was expecting maybe at the time I was going to put the manger up behind me. I had this big plan. So, okay. And imagine you have that manger. And everybody thinks about the little baby. And okay, fine. I guess it's cute. I've had babies. They're cute. Okay. Yeah, you guys were very cute. Okay. And it was great to have uh, babies and talk about, oh, the baby Jesus and whatever. But he, he, he wasn't simply a baby. That baby who was there cooing in his mother's arms is the Lion of Judah. He didn't become the Lion of Judah later. He wasn't the Lion of Judah before, and then when he came to earth, he kind of took that off for a moment and then became it again. He was and is and will be the Lion of Judah. You know, um, I'll admit with you, I, I, I want to um, be as kind as I can here, but I'll admit with you that I get frustrated sometimes with my fellow leaders and so on who always talk about, like, let us focus on the babe, the helpless babe in the manger. He was not helpless stop with this message that we're giving the world. I was speaking to some friends this week. You know, Herod had a plan to go and murder Jesus. Do you know there was never any danger that Jesus would die? People say, well, think about it. He was on the run from the government, and he was going to be killed. No, he wasn't. There was zero chance Herod would succeed. 
God, from the dawn of time, had planned this out down to the T. There was no chance that one of Herod's soldiers would even sniff where Jesus was. There was at no time during Jesus' childhood where he was hanging over a cliff precariously and he might fall and die. He had a mission. He came to earth to save sinners. And that's what was going to happen. So Christmas is not a time to sit back and go like, oh, Jesus, he was alone and cold in the manger. And he, a good thing he didn't catch a cold because he might have died of infant, you know, uh, whooping cough. No! No, but this is how people talk. As if, as if the fate of humanity hung on the natural elements of the world. You know? Well, he was born in a manger in a state. First of all, I, I want to, you know, I, t- I do this a lot at Christmas. Let's bake some stereotypes, okay? Jesus was not born outdoors. Stables, what we call a manger in a stable back in that time would have been an indoor version of what we know as a stable. Now, it wouldn't have been nice. It wouldn't have been clean. That's for sure. It was certainly a lowly birth. But you know this whole, we all get this thing that they were like outside in the open air and, you know, and he just had this manger with straw. Okay, it's nice, it's quaint, it's whatever, but this is not what was happening. And, you know, we get this idea and then the wise men show up to give him the gifts that night, right? But the wise men showed up when? He was two. When the wise men showed up. Okay, he was, a, he was a toddler at the time. See, but I'm just trying to tell you, don't, and so I want, this is the line I came up with, I thought it was, you know, great. But I want you to remember this one. Don't infantilize the incarnation. Okay, I'm going to say it one more time. Don't infantilize the incarnation. And what I'm saying that is that don't baby up the coming of the Lord. Don't make it all babyish. Don't, you know, uh, I'm a big fan of the Muppets. You remember that show in the 70s, the Muppets? And then later they made Muppet Babies. And it just wasn't the same because the babies couldn't be as clever and smart as the adult Muppets. It was never the same. That's a horrible analogy, but you get the idea? Don't baby up the story of Christmas. The story of Christmas is God entering history in flesh. And that baby was God incarnate. And there was no harm going to come to that baby until the appointed time. Nothing. And so when you're worshiping God this morning, you can know that he's got you by the hand and he's got you because he ordained all of history to rotate around that part. It's funny how God moves as uh, I had to, go, now you're only allowed one person per family in a store. So I had to go to the pharmacy and I went to, I went to Farmer Pre yesterday. That's our local pharmacy. And I walked past the mag- magazine rack and I saw the 100 most influential people in history. Now, good for him, top, middle, one of those Catholicly pictures of Jesus. You know, like the white guy with the brown hair like this, whatever. Okay, at least he's on there, okay? The 100. Listen, no matter what people do, they have to admit that he's had a massive impact on history. But that doesn't matter as much as how much impact he's had on your history. That's the bigger question. When Jesus was asking the, his followers, and he said to them, hey, who do they say that I am? And, she, and, and the woman said back to him, oh, some say you're Elijah, and some say you're this, and some say you're that. And he says, oh, that's great. Who do you say that I am? And then she gets it. Remember Peter? Peter, who do you say that I am? And he said, you are the Messiah. He got it. And he said, exactly, and that's the truth I'm going to build my church on, that I am the Messiah. So the same man, Jesus, God incarnate, who said that in his early 30s, is the same one who was the baby in the manger. 
And we can't keep it there. We can't baby up the story of Christmas. The story of Christmas is that God took our salvation upon himself. He didn't send somebody else to do it. He didn't do it by proxy. He didn't arrange it so that there was some other. He did it himself because it was the only way that it could be done. That God went to the utmost. And it was in this morning. uh, This wasn't planned, of course. Here I am to worship the song. What is that word? It says about, where's the words of this? (laughs) Light of the world, you step down into darkness. Open my eyes and let me see. That's exactly what Jesus came to do. The Bible tells us he came to seek and save the lost just at the right time. So the advent, right? We talk about advent. It means the coming, the arrival. It's not an accident. And it's not even a best chance. I want to be very clear about that. It wasn't like God goes, what time in history would he have the best chance of surviving and doing? It's not that. It was ordained, written in. That's what it was. The message isn't that Jesus survived despite his circumstances. The lesson is that the circumstances of his birth did not dictate what would happen. So even though he was born lowly and dirty and around animals and in poverty and running from the, 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 the state trying to kill him and whatever, all these things, even though all those things, that didn't determine one thing about the outcome of his life and his ministry. This was no random birth. Every detail was there. In that baby Jesus dwelt all the Godhead in flesh, bodily, the old versions say. I I was thinking about this. God didn't sneak Jesus in the world under the radar. Okay, like, oh, I'll just do this, and maybe, oh, I hope this works out. It wasn't like that at all. You know, maybe maybe the devil won't notice. Maybe the government won't notice. It's silly. He ordained it and orchestrated every detail. You know, when you think about how great this Jesus is, that baby, that same baby in God and flesh that was there in that manger is the same Jesus who spoke all of creation into existence. The Bible tells us it was Jesus who spoke creation to exist. Same, that baby. You know, it brings me back to this idea about Mary. Uh, again, many people's favorite Christmas song is Mary, Did You Know? And uh, we love hearing it. Uh, we were listening to Mark Lowry sing it the other day. I think he has the best version. That's just my opinion. He was singing it the other day. Uh, I'm not sure who wrote it. Maybe he did. I don't know. But he did? Okay. So, so Mary, did you know? Beautiful, beautiful song. And um, I, I don't know if you know that one. If you don't, you can Google it. It's great. But uh, here's the answer to the question. Yes, Mary knew. <laughs> okay. Mary knew because uh, the song says, Mary, did you know that when you touched your little baby, you touched the face of God? You know, did you know uh, that one day this would be the one who heals the nations? Did you know this would be the one that one day saves your soul and all that stuff? It's a beautiful, beautiful song. Um, and it's not to denigrate the song, but the answer is yes, Mary did know. And we know, know we know that. This is Mary now in the word of God from Luke chapter 1. She had just met with Elizabeth, right? Her cousin. I'm going to make a comment now that I think you'll know where I stand on things. I want you to think about this for a second in relation to the unborn, okay, unborn children. When John the Baptist and Jesus first met each other, they were not born. They were inside their mother's womb. And the Bible tells us that when John the Baptist, as an embryo, met Jesus as an embryo, that John the Baptist leapt for joy. I think you know what I'm saying. 
Amen? The unborn. Could he, even the unborn John the Baptist could sense the Lord of all creation in his, co- his mother's cousin. And so after meeting with Elizabeth and realizing what's going on, this is what Mary says. Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. I want to pause for a second. Much is made of Mary was only about 16, 17 at this time. Okay, now I want you to be, let's be wise in our understanding of this. Mary would not have behaved like a teenager of today. So my daughter is almost 16, okay? And I don't mean this at all about Rhiannon, but a 16, 17-year-old in that time would have been much more mature and advanced. They were working by the time they were eight, nine years old and knew what it was to, this is not a 16, this is not a teenager in the way that we understand teenagers. Again, don't infantilize the incarnation, Don't make it look like she's some single mom, you know, that would be on MTV Team Moms. Don't do that. That makes it so trash. This is a woman who is about to be married anyway, having this child, and this is what she's saying. You can see the wisdom in her words from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. She understood that what was being spoken and prophesied over her was a fulfillment of what she had been taught growing up as a child. You can see that she understood the prophetic words of the coming Messiah, that she knew from listening maybe to, you know, the people around her and her family and the the religious influence in her life, that what was coming to be, what was coming to pass in her life was a fulfillment of what she'd been taught, that someone would be coming to save them from their sins. Amen? The birth that we celebrate this month is the burgeoning or the beginning of a new birth for us all. That's the whole idea. If you're going to think about it as a birth, think about how Jesus represents our new birth. Remember the verse we've been in a lot all year long in 2 Corinthians. What does it say? The new creation, all old things are gone. So those who are in Christ are a new creation. A new birth. Remember recently, I'm linking them all together. If you've been listening to me for the last few months. And then what does Jesus tell that man in the tree? You must be born again. You see? So if we're going to focus on birth and being a baby, let's focus on our own. And it doesn't mean going back, as we learned from the scripture. It doesn't mean us going back to being a child or being a baby. It means being born again by the Spirit of God. And understanding, as Mary did, I want to just go back to what she said in Luke 1. That's 46 to 55, by the way. Uh, That the promise he gave to Abraham in the desert not so long ago. Actually, it's funny. I I wasn't going to tell the story for a couple weeks. I didn't even get a chance to tell my brother this. He's watching live right now. I was at work, and I was talking to, I was at, I was with the, uh, the head executives of the company. 
And just for the sake of the story, you need to understand that everybody else in the room was Jewish except for me. And uh, we were talking about the Christmas plans. It was the day that they had announced that things aren't happening, whatever, so on and so forth. And uh, they said, well, you know, were you having family come? I said, I don't know. We were trying to see if people could come. And my brother was thinking maybe he would try and visit if he can. But, you know, we don't know because of what borders are open and what aren't. He's going to try and go wherever he can. And, they g- and, and my, the president says to me, he goes, oh, uh, if he comes, you know, uh, d- will he go to church? Something like that. Does he go to church? Basically asking. I said, oh, yeah. I said, for sure. He, he's a preacher, too. And uh, he went, oh, no way. I thought you said he was like some sort of like, you know, I think he called him secret soldier. I don't know, whatever, you know, like, you know, special forces. And I said, well, I said, yeah, I said, but, you know, he also, I said, and he's, and he's like, how did, how did that happen? I said, well, he could tell your story yourself. But I said, they're Jewish. So I said, you know where it came from? I said, do you remember the promise to Abraham? And he said, yeah. I said, he said you know, where he, God told him that his descendants would be like the stars in the sky and that, all, you know, from him would become the deliverer of, the, of Israel. And he said, yeah. I said, it was that story, actually, he got taught as a child, and later on in his life when he was fighting in a war, it came back. To, it said that was the beginning of his road back to God. And they were just like, oh. You see, because there is, or now we're going back in time, there's an eternal destiny and promise in that, what, that word given to Abraham, as Mary pointed out, that through the descendants of Abraham would come the deliverer of the nations. Then Mary and Joseph, actually, both, if you look at it, are descended from Abraham. She says, from me, the nations will be delivered. Okay? And so that baby who is there is your new birth. And so the same baby that's in the manger uh, in Bethlehem is the same baby that we read in the book of Revelation. Now now we're jumping ahead in time. And it says, every tribe and tongue will bow the knee and say that Jesus is the Lord. Amen? So you see how we've now... Sorry, I'm you know, kind of doing it a bit disjointed because I didn't get a time to organize as well as I would have normally. But from the beginning, of to from the dawn of time, before we knew ourselves, God had a plan. Instituted it through Abraham and his people and his descendants, right through to Mary and Joseph and the story what we call Christmas, what we're celebrating now, right through to a day we have, we have not yet seen when Jesus comes back in the second coming. Remember Joy to the World? We talked about that a couple years ago. I realized last night I took out a mug and it had Joy to the World on it. So I can't use this as a Christmas mug anymore. It's a second coming song. But we did anyway. Because he is coming back. And he's coming back. He says he's coming back for who? Us. He's coming back for us. So I want to encourage you this morning, this Christmas, don't infantilize it. Don't baby up the incarnation. Know that what you're celebrating is the coming of the God of the universe into human history to set things right. Not set things right, like, just generally, like, oh, there's, that's, well, that sounds lovely because we all start thinking in terms, it's set things right in you, in your heart, and find yourself in a place like, like the women did or like Peter did, saying, yes, Jesus, you are the Messiah, the God, the Savior of the world, come into the world, to save us. So I encourage you as you celebrate Christmas, focus not on the fact of what you're losing. Listen, I, there's very few people that like Christmas more than I do and that like the hanging out and the food and the family and the whatever. I just, it's one of my favorite things to do in the whole world. But <laughs> let's be honest, in context, as my lovely Auntie Marion said, she preached a better sermon than I ever could. 
It's just one Christmas. But Jesus came for not just one nation, not for just one person, not for just one time, but for all people everywhere, including you. So I encourage you this morning, go, if you're going to go to the manger, if you're going to focus on the birth, focus on the new birth that he brings you and me. Amen? God bless you all. We hope to see you 